Hi, I'm Randallin. I'm Jennifer. And we're people talking about people. People Talking People is a part of the Wander Barn Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts on travel, yoga, health, and business over at wanderbarn.com. That's W-A-N-D-E-R-B-A-R-N.com. Hello, Randallin. Wow, I thought I was going to get in there first, and we just tied. <laughs> I'll try harder next time. <laughs> well, I am uh, drinking coffee this morning, even though it's decaf and it's, you know, past noon here. But I'm drinking my decaf coffee because I had a couple hard workouts this morning. So I'm going to let you start us off so I can have some coffee. How about that? You have some coffee. Today, Jen and I wanted to revisit the boundaries conversation. We know it's such a massive and enormous topic with lots of layers, and there's so much more we could talk about. So instead of just scratching the surface and moving on, we decided to make last week's episode a part one, make this week's episode a part two. So we're going to dig in a little bit more around the topic as a whole, but specifically in like how to say no and why that's super valuable. We're going to give some more examples of how to set process and structure, what that could look like, what we found to be super helpful in our own lives. And we're going to talk about all of this through the lens of different relationships that you'll need to set boundaries for. So boss employees, with your coworkers, with your family, with your friends, anybody that you can set boundaries with, we're going to kind of give you outlines and like maybe the Jen Randy handbook of how to set those boundaries based off of the experiences and the knowledge that we have. So Jen, are we ready to dig in? I think so. I like that overview. That was great. I think we're right. You're looking at me because you want me to go first, aren't you? I am, yes. They just hear <laughs> silence but that's that's why I'm looking at you yes. okay. I know that. I'm picking up what you're putting down no big deal um so I think we should really start off with the how to say no component I know we're going to talk about a lot of different relationships but I felt like that was a little bit of one of the spots that we started to perhaps talk about last time and then kind of left them hanging a little bit and I I don't know about you but I feel like this is probably one of the most complicated parts and this is the what most people would say that they struggle with there's obviously some people who have no problem just being able to say no um, and then there's others of us who are very challenged by this so let's talk about the how to say no component a little bit what I want to hit on before we dive in is just a couple key points one saying no really is not a horrible bad negative thing does it take practice yes um, is it hard to do at first? Yes, but it's okay to actually literally say the word no, no, thank you, you know, something along those lines. Because I, I want to start with that because the second part of the conversation is going to be other creative ways to say no without saying no, right? And I think that's where we live most of the time, and that's probably what will help most people. So we will dive in deep there. But I do just want to reiterate that it is okay to say no. Most of the time, uh, especially depending on the relationship that you have and who you're tailoring the conversation to, you can still do it in a way that feels good, that's soft, that works with the, the level of trust that you have. You know, if you've got a boss that you don't have a great relationship with, maybe that's one of those examples where no is not really an option and there's a different, you know, way to soften the edges or something along those lines. But most of the people who are truly a part of your life that you have relationships with, trust with, et cetera, will understand that no is okay and can be okay to say. 
Um, and just like we would with anything else, you can say no, but, et cetera, you know, that type of thing. But I just wanted to highlight that. But go ahead, Randy. Was there anything you wanted to add to that before we kind of dive in? I don't know that it's an incredibly informative ad, but a small, like, personal antecedent. Is that how you say that word? I always say it wrong. <laughs> a small short story about my personal life. I can say it long-winded and avoid that word entirely. I was talking with a friend the other day, and we're newer friends, so we're still trying to figure out kind of those boundaries around, like, when we make plans, is it always a yes? Can it be a no? If I say no, is she going to, like, she's not going to be mad at me, but is she going to feel like maybe I don't want to be one of her friends? Like, all of those things when you start, when you enter into a new relationship with someone. And... What I loved is the first thing she said to me was, I know you're really busy, so it's okay if you say yes now and then later have to say no. I was like, did we just become best friends? Because that, <laughs> like, those are the exact words that I needed to hear in this current moment. Um, so as we, we're talking about this conversation on boundaries and we're going to talk about you know setting those in process and creating boundaries that keep you living your best life. Be intentional about giving the people around you that freedom as well. Like, it's okay to say, yeah, let's make plans. And if you on that day, like, don't have the energy or the mental strength or ability to, like, be excited about doing these plans, we can move them. That's totally fine. Her and I have recently become best friends very quickly because I can make plans and then say, you know what? I know I'm supposed to be at your house in 15 minutes, but also, like, I just can't get myself off the couch tonight can we hang out tomorrow? And that's totally okay. So yes, learn to say no, but also give people the, the freedom to say no to you as well. I think that that's a really good example to share because there's a level of how we, it's almost like setting an expectation for others, right? So how am I going to show up in this boundaries conversation and set an expectation that makes it comfortable for others? If I come to a relationship or a friendship and say, I just want you to know that if you ever need to say no, that's okay. I won't shame you. I just want you to know if you say yes and you need to say no later, I'll be okay with that. But if I come to this relationship and I make that statement, it's going to be much more likely that they will either reciprocate that immediately and say, oh my gosh, yeah, me too for you, right? So you've just opened it up that now you have permission as well to say no, or even if they don't say it out loud, then at least you know the first time that you have to say, I'm really sorry, I can't go. They're like, oh, that's okay, I totally understand, because you already put it out there for them, reversely. So it's kind of that, you know, put the vibe out of what you want in order for it to, to come back. I think that's perfect. And that's a really good example that I don't even know if I would have hit on that within my notes, but I think that's a really good example of, like, how we can level set, but also set that expectation out there and hope that someone will reciprocate and pick it up and do the same thing you know put the put the good feelers out there the way we want it to work and then maybe it'll work for us too so very good example thank you for sharing that i think that was perfect segue into the next phase good good i like it okay so i kind of said there was two parts so that was sort of part one the actual literal thing of no and you added what i believe is perfect in there anything else that you want to add to that before we go to the next component i do also want to interject i Usually when someone will offer me something, I'll be like, oh, I'm okay, or maybe later, and I'll just kind of find ways to say no without saying no, and just recently I've started giving more honest answers, and I'll be like, no, thank you, and honestly, it feels 
so different because then I'm not, especially if it's something that I really didn't want. Like, I don't love spicy things. And someone offered me a jar of like canned hot peppers the other day. And I was like, no thanks, I'm okay. And I knew that they weren't going to offer them to me again because I physically said the word no instead of saying, oh, not today or, you know, maybe next time or, you know, I'm not really in the mood right now. And so I, I think we've come away from the word no because it does have a really con- a negative connotation. But I think the sooner we can get that word out, people understand that that's not something that we're interested in. It's not something that we're like, that's just not on our radar and we don't want to go there. Um, so I encourage everyone, especially in like little daily things where you kind of give those like nicer no's, it's okay to just say no. Like, do you want to go out for coffee today? No, I don't. That's fine. I think that's perfect because what we, if we don't set ourselves up for success, we create this like pattern and this behavior to, to your point. It's like, Instead of no, thank you. Oh, maybe next time this person doesn't know I don't like the spicy peppers. They're going to keep offering me the spicy peppers until eventually I say no. And they're like, geez, why didn't you tell me earlier you didn't like the spicy peppers? You know? <laughs> so we really, that whole process of setting that expectation up front and setting yourself up for success is just perfect and ideal. It, it makes it so much easier for the future. I think it's so easy for us to be in that moment and to think about the how am I going to say no? How am I going to say no? But when it's offered up to you on a silver platter and it's that easy to do so, you need to grab those opportunities or you will make it harder for yourself later. So just be really aware in those moments. What can I do right now to make this so that it's easier for myself later? Good example. Small things that you, you know you're not later going to be interested in. I've never liked spicy food, so I know that in a week I'm not going to say, hey, maybe I want those hot peppers. No, I don't want I don't like spicy food. I'm never going to eat those hot peppers. So, instead of, yeah, setting myself up to make it harder to say no in the future, that initial no thank you was plenty and I've interacted with that individual a handful of times and have never again been offered hot peppers. So, I think it is like taking those small wins when we can get them make saying no to more things easier because you're not always kind of having to go back and re-say no nicely and try and like foster that relationship where they think you want something eventually but you don't actually ever want it well and it's a little bit of practice makes perfect too the more to your point do it for these small things now because then you're going to be more comfortable whether it's with that particular individual or just in general you'll be more comfortable using the word no and setting your boundaries in the future if you're able to do it just even on that small scale, you know, right out of the gate. So good. I like it. Good conversation thus far. Okay. So that's kind of the direct saying no. We've kind of covered that component. Now let's shift a little bit over to the indirect of the saying no's over here. Um, So one thing that comes to mind for me is just really, um, it's, it's focusing less on what it is that I'm saying no to. And I think we've mentioned this before. And what is it that I'm saying yes to? And I think this has probably come up in a couple conversations that we've had uh, just because it's really, and it, frankly, it's a really important thing to be thinking about. So not being so focused on what I'm saying no to, but being more focused on the things that I'm saying yes to. So when I say no to Randall Ann, 
um, and I'm not going to take the spicy pepper. <laughs> I am saying yes to not having a stomach issue and feeling really good while I sleep on my couch later tonight or something, right? Like <laughs> that's a really good example, but you get my point. But this is really important when it comes to work specifically. You know, I could sit here and say, yeah, sure, I'll do that extra report and I'll stay late tonight. But then in turn, I'm then saying no to time with my family and, you know, that type of thing. So instead, we focus on what am I saying yes to? So when the work says, hey, can you stay late and work on this? Instead, I could even just say something like, you know what, I've got plans with my family tonight. I need to be with them. That's what I've chosen to say yes to. And whether I literally say no or not, I could even explain it to that context and it will make sense. Now, Obviously, these things aren't always going to work in every situation, but being very focused on what are you choosing to say yes to and what level are you going to share that will be helpful. It could even just be mentally, you know, going back to the literal saying, no, I could say, no, I'm not available tonight. But as long as in my head, I'm reminding myself the reason I said no is because I've chosen to do this thing with my family over here. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to make it easier to make the statement to say the no, to turn around and focus on this other thing over here. So I'm just shifting the thinking from what are you saying no to to what are you saying yes to. I love that. As a chronic yeser, I don't know if that's a thing. I'm going to make it a thing. I am known for taking on way too many things and then getting really stressed out about it and having to, you know, work late a handful of nights to make sure that I'm getting all of those things done and what I learned and was super helpful to me was saying was still saying yes with the caveat being, I can't do it until tomorrow. Or yes, I'm happy and excited to do that for you, but I don't have time to get it done incredibly well until Wednesday or Thursday. Or giving another time frame and saying, I'm really excited about this and I'm really happy that you asked me. I just physically don't have the time to do it for X amount of days. And then it's on them to say, okay, that works for me. Or you know what? That's okay. I'll ask somebody else because I need it a little bit sooner. Um, And then that's a really easy way to also in the work area to say, like, I really am passionate about doing good work. So I don't want to do this wrong or poorly. And because of that, I need X amount of time to do it. So that was an easy way for me to learn to kind of say no without being like, no, but I'm like, thanks for asking. I'm really excited about it. It was just kind of like, hey, this is what I have on my plate and I'm not going to be able to get to it until tomorrow. Is that okay? Um, And once you can kind of initiate a conversation like that, people get really excited because it's not negative. It's a really, it's it's a positive conversation and people can tell that you're excited, but that you do want to do the job really well. And they're not usually not upset about that. They want somebody who's going to do really good work and and be passionate about the project or the task that they're being asked to complete. Yeah, and this concept of like on my own time or timelines was exactly the next kind of thought that I had. So I love that you brought that up because it really bleeds also then into priorities, which is, you know, a word I like to rely very, very heavily on um, all the time and talk about a lot with people is priorities. So no matter how it's worded, yes, but not till tomorrow, or I can do it on this time. It doesn't matter how you you worded it, but you've made it very clear. I can work on this project. However, it will need to be to you by next Wednesday versus next Monday. Is that still sufficient for you? Does that work within what it is your expectations were, what your needs were? As long as you're very clear up front, 
then it gives them the opportunity to say, actually, that's not going to work. I'm going to go ask Sally over here if she can work on it instead. Okay, that's fine. Like, it allows us to use that sense of prioritization because the reality is, and we've talked about this before, there are only 24 hours in a day, period. I mean, we can't make more of those up. So we have to do the priority setting and kind of shuffling and reconfiguring things a little bit at times. And that might mean either the literal saying no or making sure our timelines are mapped out so that we can actually fit all of this stuff into a day. The other thing I wrote down when you were talking to Randallin um, was it kind of goes back to something that you said earlier, but this concept of like helping others say no and giving permission. So it, it that really plays into frankly every component that we've already sort of laid out there. So it could be reciprocated where like if you say to me, or I said to you, Randall, and you want to go have dinner tonight, and you're like, oh, and I could just tell, like, in your voice or in your facial expressions, like, I know you want to say no, but you're not feeling it. Either I do my due diligence and say, it looks like maybe this isn't going to work for you, or it's okay to say no, right? It's okay to even just throw that in after the fact, right? So it could be that sort of literal help someone say no that way. But it goes back to this kind of prioritization and timeline thing as well. If I really lay it out and I say, this is what I can do for you and when, and I feel confident about that and I feel really good about that, it's also then safe for them to say, hmm, yeah, that's actually, you know, that isn't going to work. So they've sort of allowed you to say no in a very indirect way. They've pulled the no out of you in a very weird indirect way, giving you permission just by way of saying, you know, hey, this is what I've got. This is what I can do. Is it going to work for you? Yes or no. I love that. I think it is like there's a lot of emotional intelligence that go into not only protecting yourself with boundaries, but also making sure that you're somebody that helps other people uphold boundaries. And that does come from, you know, those cues like, oh, you seem a little hesitant or, you know, you paused a little bit longer than normal when I asked if you wanted to go out to dinner. And I have found it incredibly helpful when I do encounter situations like that to say, you know what, why don't we go out to dinner, you know, next week, this time, this day, or, and that way people don't feel like you're kind of shutting them out of plans. Um, they still feel invited and welcome, but they feel like, wow, I was really supported because they didn't just like leave me high and dry and say like, oh, never mind, you're boring, I don't want to hang out with you. They've now made a new opportunity where I'll be a little less overwhelmed or stressed or, you know, I can be more excited and present in the moment. And I think when we talk about even relationships at work, like those kinds of emotional, that level of emotional intelligence where you can still be really intentional about creating space to hang out with people and to foster those relationships are the people that I'm very drawn to, who are aware of their own boundaries and are aware of other people's boundaries. I think those are the most awesome people to hang out with and awesome feels like a weak word to use in that context. But those are the people that I love being around because I know that there's no pressure to show up if I'm not there. Perfect. That's great. So I feel like we've hit on the vast majority of the no stuff and want to kind of start to shift a little bit over to a new topic within here. Um, we talked a little bit about some structure around all of this. We talked about the different types of relationships with boundaries that are out there. 
But let's focus a little bit on kind of a career one for a minute, because I think that's the one where a lot of people get stuck. And let's talk about this idea of structure. Now, this could be, we'll just kind of dialogue back and forth little things that work for you, things you've seen that work for other people. You know, we'll just sort of hit on a little bit of a randomness of a lot of ideas and thoughts like we usually do. Um, but when we're thinking about career and we're thinking about how can I put, I don't know, whatever the right structure would be in place in order to allow myself to have these boundaries, maybe make it easier to say no when I need to, but frankly, I might not even have to say no if I set the boundaries properly, you know, some of this type of thought, and just start talking about what that might look like. Um, I'm going to start with myself, and I'll let you just kind of think on it for a minute, too. And I've got a lot of other ideas of what works for other people as well. So for me personally, when it comes to career, I know there are physical boundaries that I have to have as well as emotional, mental, calendar, like fill in the blank. I feel like I could use just about every kind of word that's in there. So I've mentioned this before. I have an office door. The door closes. I probably need to put a lock on it. That would also probably be really good. Um, but there's a boundary right there. That's one thing for me. I also use my calendar as a tool, but I will say I am not a very tech savvy person. I don't necessarily use a lot of technology. I mean, I'm on my computer all day, but I don't use apps and things to kind of drive behavior for me. But for my calendar, I do like it because it does two things. One, it does give me a notification, a ding, a reminder when something needs to occur. But in my case, it also blocks my calendar so that others can't book me. And I think that's really important. So a lot of people get nervous about the calendar, like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use my calendar, calendar, or I don't need to use my calendar to drive me, or I, a notification doesn't tell me it's time to go have lunch or something like that. But it can also have that opposite effect. It might not tell you to go have lunch, but it will prevent anyone from booking a meeting with you at lunchtime. And it might give you the opportunity to stay on that one day that the reminder goes off, ding, it's lunchtime. Oh, I have no meetings yeah, I'm actually going to go take a lunch. So I think that sort of putting it in that context is a lot easier for people to stomach and swallow. If it doesn't drive a behavior for you, that's okay. But it's preventing others from booking your time. It's creating that boundary and it's creating that space. So whether that's lunch, whether that's your start time, whether that's a workout time, whether that's your end time. For me, it's primarily my end time. I have a little one that at five o'clock that goes off that says, bing, you know, uh, family time. <laughs> and it's just blocked off so no one can book me past that point. Anyway, so even if I do sit at my computer for an extra 30 minutes, that's fine, but it won't be on a phone call. It'll be just me getting some things done. So a couple of things right there for me, calendar being really important, um, and then uh, no joke, the physical door right there. But Randall, and what are some things for you? We'll just kind of keep going back and forth. Anything else for you? Just jump out. I have loved scheduling walk breaks in. Um, I had would put a recurring invite on my calendar every day from 2 to 2.15 to 20. And whether it was time that I actually, like, got up from my desk or and walked or if it, I just, like, didn't need to walk that day and I just needed to, like, sit there and not look at my computer for a few minutes, like, whether I took 15 minutes to read or walk or, like, do something else, it was 15 minutes that I knew nobody else had access to me so similarly the same same way and there were days where I would also like need that 15 minutes I would schedule two 15 minute walks every day and sometimes I would take both of them and sometimes I would only take one so if I needed it in the morning more than I needed it in the afternoon like the time was blocked off it was mine nobody else owned it and 
you know, come the afternoon, maybe I didn't need a second walk break. I was feeling really good. I was doing something I loved. So I would just, you know, not get up and not do anything. And that was okay. But having that time is kind of like a back pocket if I was having a really bad day and I needed to get out and walk around the neighborhood and like not blow off some steam, but like get out of my head a little bit. Like I had that option. Um, so that was something that I really loved. My, there's like a storm here, Jen, and my lights keep flickering. Oh, I noticed that. Your lights, hopefully we don't, we don't lose you. Hopefully. <laughs> Um, so that's been something that was really helpful to me. The other thing that I found really helpful is setting, um, the reminders to move on my Fitbit, like super, super simple. I wear it every day. If I don't get 250 steps in by 10 till the top of the hour, so it's probably actually going to go off here in two minutes and tell me that I need a couple more steps for this hour. Um, but they're just like steady reminders to say like, Hey, maybe go get a drink of water or like get up and pee. Um, and so those have been really helpful to me in the work context. And then the other thing that I think was super helpful was vocalizing what I was doing with my schedule. So I historically had taken every Friday afternoon off because my brain does not work Fridays afternoon. Like, not, the lights are on and nobody's home, let me tell you. Um, so what I would do when I started doing that is I just told the team, like, hey, I'm going to be accessible, you know, an hour earlier starting every single day and 30 minutes later in the evenings. Just please, like, everything goes on do not disturb. I put an out-of-office on my email every Friday at noon. Like, don't try and get in touch with me because the best answer I'm going to have for you is I'll do it Monday. Um, so then communicating that to everybody else and it just became, I like have, I don't know, I guess there's like conversations with people where they'll like ask me for something and they'll be like, oh wait, Friday's your half day, like never mind, respond to the sun Monday. And they, that expectation was just set so people knew, but they wouldn't have known that had I not communicated it. So finding ways to communicate your boundaries and saying this is when I can promise to get back to you is super helpful especially in the work context because people do feel like they need to be seen and heard and acknowledged in that environment not that they don't need to be in any other space but that is kind of more of an intentional one where you have to be you're not like, hey, I'm ignoring you because you're my coworker. You're like, no, I'm, I'm out of the office. I literally didn't see it. So communicating those times was really helpful for me. That's perfect. That's one of the ones on my list. So I'm glad you touched on it. And I think your Friday example is a good specific one to help people. There was um, another thought that actually was on my list that popped in my head when you were talking about uh, your walks that I wanted to share as well. I have a client who has calendar blocks and in her case, she's actually literally blocked up her calendar, but she's done things like 7am to 9am is her exercise and mental wellness block, for example. Okay. And what she's done is this is her, she will try to do, and she's got a little routine and everything that she does in that seven to nine block. But if something happens for some reason, she sleeps in, an emergency comes up at work and she's got to go to work early. Like if anything happens that throws off that block of time, she's committed to herself. I'm not going to have anxiety about it. And I'm not going to try to find another two hour block of time in the day. Because sometimes we, you know, we'll miss something, for example, we'll miss a work on and go, oh, I missed it this morning. Okay, where am I gonna do it? Is it two, is it three? Like, wait, do I do it at night? Like we try to cram it in somewhere else in our already probably over scheduled and over crammed day. 
And she's kind of given herself permission to sit from that boundaries perspective to say, if I don't get it done in this block of time, that's okay. I'll come back to it tomorrow. And it just relieves this huge amount of like anxiety and pressure for her to find out where is that workout time going to be. She's just missing it for that one day and she knows it's going to be okay. And she'll get right back on track with her schedule the next day because she has a good habit and a pattern and a behavior around it. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that made me think of when you were talking about your situation. I absolutely love that. And I think we started talking about this last week with rules and exceptions and how those work and what makes a rule and what makes an exception and how to get back on track. And I think the mindset that you just described around like, I'll get back to it tomorrow, like having it planned is great, but if things don't go according to plan because we live in like an unpredictable and wild world, that's okay. You know, I'll give it another go tomorrow and that's fine. And I similarly have six to seven every morning blocked off to go for a run and a shower. But if I sleep in because I'm really tired or if the weather's really gross, like if I just don't feel like running, like if I pulled a muscle and don't feel like running, I have I have that time and it's mine and I now have the power to read a book or really enjoy a cup of coffee or get some cleaning done around the house or like do dishes, whatever. I have that time. But I'm also not stressing about, well, I didn't run today. Like, am I going to do it after work? Well, it'll be dark after work. Do I want to try and run before work? Like, what? I'm no longer trying to overcommit myself. Like, I have it scheduled, and if I get to it, that's great. And then if something happens and I don't, that's also okay. Um, But I think that's come – Jen, I'm I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this. For me, that's come from learning how to give myself a lot of grace, especially because we live in like a crazy, wild, unpredictable reality that is 2020. Um, Jen, do you feel like it's grace? Do you feel like it's something else? How how do you make peace with rules and exceptions? Yeah, it's a good good question. I do think there's a component of grace, but I do think it depends on the individual. I think everyone will have to find what that almost like what that power word is for them because for some people it's just resilience and the ability to like bounce back and for others it's grit like hard work and determination and hustle right we talked about that too so i think it's a little bit different for every person and it's going to be dependent based off of what their experience in the past has been you know and i give like the weird example too of diet right like we start a diet and we're doing really well and then we have a day where Uh, We just eat really poorly, you know, and for who knows what the reason is, but we eat really poorly. And then the tendency happens to be, oh, well, I'm off the diet, boom, and I'm done. Like, what do you mean you're off the diet? Like, tomorrow is another day. (laughs) The sun comes up all over again. You should be doing the exact same thing all over again. It shouldn't be like I've fallen off the wagon and it's just gone. So I think based off of past experiences for individuals and how quickly they've been able to bound from the fall off and then get back on can make that word change. So for some people, it's going to be a little bit of grace. For some people, it's going to be grit and hard work and determination. You know, it's just going to vary a little bit on how complex that, how hard that fall is and then how much work it takes to kind of climb back up to the other side. Um, And then honestly, it's about habits too. You know, I think for you, your one hour is a total habit. It's just, it's ingrained in what you do. The more we can flex those muscles and practice and do what we can to create these habits, use tricks like habit stacking or whatever needs to be done to get small, tiny little goals or portions of our schedule blocked off, the better off we're going to be. But it's all about creating the habit. If I forget to take my vitamins today, 
that's okay because I have a habit of taking them every single day and I haven't broken that habit forever. So if I forget one day, it's not like, oh, no longer do I take my vitamins. No, I just do them tomorrow. Like it's not the end of the world, right? So creating a habit is the key. Yeah, Jen, this conversation to me sounds a lot like practice. And one of the things that I've kind of gone on and off with in different times is yoga practice, which reminds me of one of the other amazing podcasts in the Wander Barn Network, which is called Matcha Mornings. And they talk a lot. It's hosted by Amanda Kingsmith. She's fabulous. She talks a lot about holistic health and wellness, yoga, hormones, all of these great things that are kind of a practice to keep up and to really live in and thrive in. Keyword there being practice. So sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong, but you just keep on trying anyway. Um, she, she really dives into that really well. So if you are interested in learning more about how Amanda practices all of these wonderful things, you can head over to wonderbarn.com slash matcha mornings and check out her show. Otherwise, I'm sure Jen and I are going to keep talking about practices of different things and getting things right and failing and trying again. Um, but if you're looking for more, go visit Amanda. I know she would love to have you over at Matcha Mornings. That is so true. And there are some good lessons uh, there to have, to be had. So I think this is kind of a good point though for us to kind of wrap it up. I've got two more quick bullets that I want to share just because I don't want them to be lost on this piece of paper in front of me here. So I've got to share them. Um, last couple little, I don't know what we're calling them, tips, tricks, uh, whatever we want to say for putting some structure. So I, I talked about the technology component already, but I'm just going to add again little things like mute your phone, put your phone on silent, right? Like that's the best type of boundary right there. Um, remove all of these ability for the brain dopamine hits, turn the phone off, turn the computer off, turn the calendar, turn the TV off, sit with silence. You know, if you really need to set some boundaries, sit with silence and turn everything off around you, detach from everything, and then really kind of figure out what does that even mean to you and what do I need to do? So all that technology can really go away very easily. Jen, I want to jump in. Please, there. please. Technology is amazing. It's 2020. I absolutely love it. I I have so much of it in my house and in my life. Um, but on technology boundaries, it can be hard to get in the habit of creating boundaries with technology. So I'd encourage you guys to let technology help you. I have different screen time limits set up so that every time I spend more than like an hour on Instagram, my screen blacks out and says, you've been here an hour. Do you want to continue? Do you want to stop? You know, I, same thing with like Pinterest and other social media is like Twitter that I get. It's way too easy for me to like not have boundaries with my phone now keeps me accountable and I can choose to like ignore the alert, but like then that's a conscious choice. The other thing that has been really helpful is setting up automatic do not disturb times. So as soon as nine o'clock hits, I try to be in bed by 9.30, so as soon as 9 o'clock hits, I don't get any notifications on my phone. They all are on silent. I will only get calls from my mom because I have her set up as like an exception to that rule. So if she calls me or texts me, I do hear it, and I've not been happy about it a few times. She's a night owl. I am not. But at least I can sleep soundly knowing that like no one is seriously hurt or injured and she's just like having some late night thoughts about what I want for my birthday. Um, 
but having that 9 p.m. kind of like it my phone automatically switches over I can choose to look at it and see what's going on on social media in my text messages whatever but I'm no longer actively like hearing the sounds my screen's not lighting up it's not vying for my attention has been super helpful in that evening disconnect and establishing that routine of like I really don't use my phone after 9 p.m. and I feel great about that. That's awesome. And I think those are really, really, really good tips of how to use technology to support this process as well. Because it can be a drain or a detri- uh, you know, a drain just as much as a supporter. We just have to really be careful with the ways that we're using it. So good. That was a really good example. Okay, last one, I promise. And then we can wrap it up. Because here, we have so much on boundaries, we didn't even realize we we're going to talk about this so much. So the last thing that I just wanted to say was, if you are, you know, kind of goes back to like, what are you saying? If, you, if I say no to this, what am I saying yes to? Do you have anything that is in the what I'm saying yes to box? So it's really easy to say, I just want to say no because I'm tired and I'm lazy. I just want to say no because I don't want to do it. So instead of having all this like negative stuff, right, and just wanting to be lazy or not do the work, what are the things you're saying yes to? So if you want to say yes more, schedule those things. I'm going to an event. I'm taking myself to dinner. I'm going to a movie. I'm doing yoga. Put that stuff as real scheduled items on the calendar. So if someone does ask you, you know, can you come to dinner with me tonight? Actually, I'm taking myself out on a dinner date. Thanks for the invite. Maybe another time. You have that stuff. It's not like I'm lazy and I don't want to do it. It's I've chosen to do something else. And here are those things that I have. So don't be afraid to schedule those things for yourself. Say yes to more stuff. It'll make it easier to say no to the other stuff later. Okay, that was my kind of last thought. I had a totally semi-unrelated thing. I um, Now people are coming out of their houses again with post, I guess we're not post-COVID, we're still in COVID, but people are getting a little bit braver. Restrictions are lifting in some places. Um, and I just recently saw somebody out at the grocery store the other day with one of those t-shirts that said, sorry I was late, I didn't want to come. And as we're talking about boundaries, I think the overarching theme that I'm hearing, and Jen, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that boundaries are for you. They're not for other people. So if you're late and you don't want to come, that's fine. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pass tonight. I really just need a night to stay at home. I've been really busy all week, and I just need to, like, sit on my couch, eat a home-cooked meal, and go to bed early. Like, that's fine. You don't have to wear a sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come shirt. You can just say, hey, I kind of don't feel like I'm ready for it tonight. Um, so that's like my takeaway from boundaries is like, don't be sorry. I was late. I didn't want to come find the courage within yourself to own your feelings and how you're feeling and what you need. And then vocalize that because people are really receptive to it. If they actually know what's going on. I think that's perfect. And use all your tools and resources to make it work for you. Create habits around it, you know, turn it into something that's really good. So you're not having a Great conversation about boundaries later, but you're just continuing to have good ones and about how well you're doing and, and how your time is managed exactly how you want it to be managed. <laughs> I'll dream. I'll keep dreaming about that, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay, perfect. Well, I think we could not possibly squeeze another minute into this conversation today. I agree. So, 
As a reminder, you can go ahead and connect with Jen and I on LinkedIn. We are going to continue. We've not done a ton on LinkedIn recently, Jen. I think that is one area that we need to be a little bit better about. We will start a conversation about boundaries on LinkedIn. We encourage you guys to jump in. Tell us maybe some of your favorite boundaries that you have or ones that have been super helpful in your own life. Let's share the wealth and share these tools and resources with everyone. But we are going to let you go, so head on over to wonderbarn.com slash people talking people to learn more about our show, all our other episodes. You can view episode one of the Boundaries episode and check out the other great shows on their network like Match Mornings. Until next time, guys. Have a good one.